Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Consistent Runner Girls Notable Peeps, the series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming, all my dreams are humming, all my dreams are coming true. Hey, welcome to Notable Peeps. My name's Steph, and I'm here with Dele. And Dele, how do I say your last name? My last name is pronounced Opefa. Opefa. I'm so glad I asked, or else I would have butchered it. Well, that's how we say it in America. If you're in Nigeria, they say it differently, and I can't even pronounce it fully correctly, but it's an African name. Okay, cool. So let's just jump in. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do for a job right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I perform with a vocal group called Revoiced, and it's five guys, all all vocal, acapella, if you will. So you're like the NSYNC and Backstreet Boys of today? A little bit, I guess, <laughs> in some aspects. <laughs> uh, very different in other aspects. But yes, we perform music, and there are five guys. <laughs> do you guys dance? We do. We do move around a little bit. Um, <laughs> Not as intense choreography, but yeah, we definitely try to keep it visually exciting as well. And I personally am the drums of the group, so it's all vocal, so I'm making all of the drum sounds with my face. So, in other words, you're the beatboxer. Correct. Yes, or vocal percussionist, as the acapella world terms it. Oh, that sounds so classy. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah so, like, so, on the streets, you're the beatboxer, but in, like, performing, they... And so how did you learn how to beatbox? You know, I'm asked that all the time, and I have to think back, because I don't remember one day just saying, I'm going to beatbox, but I really think it was because I used to play with action figures all the time, and you make the (laughs) all the noises and everything. Wait, was this when you were 15? Yeah, this was when I was last year. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) As a kid, you know, I grew up, I played with Legos and G.I. Joes and, and just dirt and sticks and you always make the noises and the sound effects and everything, or I did at least. And as I grew older, I was into music. I like to sing. I like to just, just for fun. And so I would just kind of do that. And it wasn't formal. It wasn't really good. Um, and it wasn't until I got into college that I, I tried out for an acapella group as a singer and, uh, they asked me if I could beatbox. And so I gave it a try for the first time kind of on purpose and, uh, it sounded okay, and that was kind of the beginning. That's cool that it was just trying out for acapella, and you just gave it a, a shot. You, if you never would have tried out, you would have never known. I wouldn't have. I would <laughs> be doing. I would be living a very different life right now. <laughs> and from my research of you on the Google, um, I found that you were, were athlete in college. You played basketball and did track. I did. Yeah. So I uh, I I was huge in, into all sports growing up, and so I got I went to Southern Virginia University and got a scholarship to play basketball among other small scholarships to make it more affordable. And um, yeah, so I was really busy in college in sports and in, in the acapella group that I was in, um, student government I did, and then you know trying to have a social life it was a lot. And then add beatboxing, and it's like you were just. 
Yeah. Living the dream. I guess so. <laughs> Not sleeping, which is what you're supposed to do in college, right? But don't you feel like when you're younger, like you can stay up all night and only get five hours of sleep? And now I try to do it, and I know that makes me sound like a grandma, but it's hard. It really, yeah, it changes. It changes. A lot of things change when you get older. I wish I would have appreciated it. <laughs> And so now with your, your group, um, Revoiced, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys travel around seeing where are some of the places that this boy band, not like NSYNC, has <laughs> taken you? This boy band. Uh, <laughs> or, or, sorry, what's the professional term? We just say group. Oh, group. Okay. Yep. This group. group. <laughs> um, vocal group, acapella group. Okay. Um, we, we do a lot of cruise, cruise lines. And so we'll go in as guest entertainers. And that just means that we go in for a week and we do a couple of shows on, on some of the evenings in their theater and then we go home. And some of those have taken us to uh, Thailand, Singapore, Spain, uh, you know, a lot of the Caribbean, of course, Alaska, Hawaii. So those are really fun because we get to see a lot of parts of the world. And uh, then, of course, we do a lot of corporate events and performing arts centers, and that's all over the United States. And uh, the cool, honestly, my favorite thing about the travel with this group is we do uh, we tour around and work with high school students and uh, we'll we'll meet with them during the day and whether it's choirs or sometimes we work with um, with other groups in schools and uh, then we do a concert that night and raise funds for whatever the host group is and it's a fun tour that we do but those are the experiences where we get to travel to tiny little towns in the middle of you know Kansas or Iowa or places we never would have been and uh, see that different culture. We always think of travel as like, oh, see foreign cultures, mm-hmm. and tropical and, and this and that. But seeing cultures in our own backyard that we didn't realize were, you know, the way that people interact with each other in the community feel, it can be very different than what we're used to. So I really like that. That's so cool. Because I mean, I've always thought going around an RV to all the little places in the States would be cool. But you're going around performing and actually going in these schools and seeing these students and, and talking with them, you do get just a different culture so and that's that's almost basically what we did when we first did this this was uh 2014 when we first as a group went full-time we all kind of quit our side jobs and said we're doing this and we put together this idea for the school tour and we packed everything into uh, i had an suv at the time and we had a little a little cargo trailer and we put a bunch of sounds equipment in the back and we just went and we had we had our merchandise we had air mattresses and sleeping bags and we would go and we'd do a school and then we would stay like at the teacher's house on the floor on air mattresses and then we'd go to the next place and we'd go to the next place and we did that uh, in 2014 eight months of that Whoa. in the one year and it was exhausting but it was it was so much fun too so when i was looking at your group i thought that it was like one of those that all these agents put these great people together. I didn't realize that you guys actually started it and that you took the risk of quitting your real jobs. And yeah. a lot of what in a lot of the groups when we do cruise ships, for example, and we see, you know, we come on while another act is coming off. Uh, a lot of them are put together by agents, you know, that find uh, performers or, or companies, production companies. We were put together, uh, my business partner, actually, uh, he and I, kind of managed the group together and he had the idea to to put this group together and we had met in Branson, Missouri and so we we just kind of we got it going and yeah, we're all I mean three of the guys in the group went to college together, other of, of us have met through different ways and we it's all kind of self self-started, self-grown and we have agents who book uh 
gigs for mm-hmm. us. But uh, yeah, we're we're self managed and, and self created, I guess. Okay, so describe that experience though. Like you guys, like were you afraid? Were you like thinking it was going to work out? Did it feel impossible when you packed up all the stuff in your car and you went out for eight months? Yes, to all of the above. <laughs> we were we were afraid. We were. Uh, it seemed impossible. Although you know, it was really when we first started the group. Five guys, we went uh, to my, my business partner, Chris, we went to his house in New York. And three weeks, we learned a whole show, rehearsed it, got the choreography, the music, everything. We recorded a terrible little demo video, <laughs> sent it to a couple agents to try to get work, and we got nothing. And for six months, nothing. And then finally, we got booked on one cruise, one week. And, uh, so we did that and it was fun. We thought, you know, we'd be great. We're going to get tons of work now. Another six months, nothing. <laughs> and then, you know, one little thing here and then one little thing there. And so it was the, the frustration of, of having worked so hard and not having to work and, and, you know, working at restaurants and doing other odd jobs that we didn't want to do. I think my business partner was moving furniture for a moving company. And so we were all just tired of, of not having what we wanted. And so it made it a lot easier to say, let's just do it. We're just going to do it. We don't know if we're going to make any money. <laughs> uh, and, and there were times when, you know, the thing about that tour that we did, it all depended on the show being filled. So you go to a town of 468 people, which we did once, and that was the population of the town. And we said, well, how are we going to walk away from here? without losing money for the travel to get here. And uh, there were times, actually, that was one of our favorite shows ever. But there were times when we went to bigger towns, bigger schools, and had once we had 36 people show up. We lost money that day. You know? But, you know, that's just kind of how it is. And it was scary. And it was uh, tiring, nerve-wracking, all of the above. But somehow we survived through it and, and came out better for it. I love it. So what the this little town of four hundred and how many? Four hundred and sixty eight. So what made this one of your favorite? This was a town called Milo, Iowa. Shout out to Milo Idaho. Oh Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> Milo, Iowa. <laughs> Milo was it if you drove through it, you you would one, you would blink and miss it. Two, if you didn't blink, you would just kind of be thinking is happening here and why would anyone choose to stay here there's nothing um we got there and uh we had a couple of extra days so we stayed at this ranch one of the friends of the the school was owned a a horse ranch a very small horse ranch they had a few horses and trained and, and took people on rides and stuff and so we met the family they had a couple of boys that that would show us around the place and they showed us the horses one day they took us out on a full day ride um, some of the guys had never shot guns before, so they, they taught them how to shoot shotguns and had a fire with them, ate dinner with them. It was just a, a blast with this family. And then we went to the school, which was all, you know, K through 12, all in one building. So it was a small little school. And the kids were just so eager to soak up anything that we had to share. They were just excited and energetic and enthusiastic, and they all were supportive of each other. You know, you could tell there was no, feeling of bullying or hazing or any of that. I'm older, so, you know, I'm going to pick on the younger kids. No, it was really supportive. And uh, we had a great day with them. And then the concert that night, 
they had this town hall type thing, which was basically a big garage, you know, with a smooth concrete floor and just almost like a, almost like a hangar, um, just a big empty shell of a building. And they brought in these platforms to build a stage for us um, in one corner of it. We did it diagonally. And they had, I think there was something like 300 something people there at a 400 person town. <laughs> and, and man, we performed the show. We had to change. Our dressing room was, we went out the back door and around to the street and down the street, there was a hair salon with two chairs. It was a tiny little room of a salon. Um, it was, it was, it was a room. It was, you know, we call at least think of salons here, but this was two chairs that there was only enough room for those two chairs and one tiny little closet of a bathroom and a sink. And we changed in there and then we walked over to, to do the show on the stage. We were so excited to do the show because of the energy in this town. And towards the end of the show, we were thanking everyone for coming and someone stood up, one of the, the school leaders stood up and kind of faced the audience and just sh basically shared her, she just expressed her feelings of gratitude for having us out. And we couldn't do the last song. We couldn't, we're, we're trying to, to get this moment together and we had, we had this kind of ballady song that we were going to do right then and there. Everyone in the room was just in tears and we were just, they were so grateful to have us and we were so grateful for their hospitality. They treated us like family and we're all just bawling through this song and trying to make it sound good. And it just didn't, it didn't care. Uh, and after the show, we, we all probably stayed for 45 minutes just in this room and they had some baked stuff and we just hung out and it felt like a big family reunion. It did. It, it did not feel like we're performers coming to do a show. It felt like we're all just family hanging out. And we happen to be sharing something that we like to do for a little part of it. Oh, I love that. Don't you just, the genuine people are the best. They really are. I, I would pick that show, that type of a show any day over that, like, you know, 3000 people in a big theater and, and huge sound system and all that. I mean, that's fun. That feels nice. To, yeah. To have that. But, it's, yeah, to actually connect with real people is just, that's the best. That's so cool. So we're talking a lot about the awesome perks of your job, but is it ever hard to be traveling so much? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm single. So yeah, it is, you know, when you're trying to be in relationships or even keep relationships with your family, um, I really want a dog, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> things like that, that. I, I can't do because I don't have the consistency at home. Being part of the community, you know, being on a city council, being in a sports league, um, any of those things, you just can't have the consistency. And it makes regular lifestyle things difficult, even like, like working out. You know, if I go to the gym for the two weeks I'm home, that's great. And I get in this routine and then I'm gone for two weeks and I don't have a gym. And now I have to totally change what I'm doing to try to stay in shape. And so it's, it, it can be really tough. You don't even, things you don't think of until you're doing it, like buying groceries. Well, I don't just get to kind of keep rolling over the food that's in my fridge. I have to buy two weeks of groceries for when I'm home for two weeks and then one week for when I'm home for one week. And it's so, you know, I, I have a lot of spoiled food to throw away when I get home. <laughs> and yeah, so there's just a lot of little things that traveling consistently can, can make difficult, but it does have its perks. 
Well, and I think that would be hard, too, because when you get back from a trip, you're, like, tired and you want to relax for a little bit. But if you're only home for a week, then all your family and friends are like, hey, like, wanting to schedule your time. The interesting thing about that is, uh, well, I have my friends will get used to me being gone. So, you know, if someone someone sends me a text or calls me and says, hey, we're doing this, you want to join? Great, you know. But then when they do that and I say, oh, I'm actually out of town, and that happens so many times, they kind of get used to me being gone and they don't invite because they assume that I'm gone. And it's funny because people assume I'm gone more than I am. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I run into a friend and they're like, oh, man, how how you been? I know you've been all over the place. I'm like, well, I've been home for three. <laughs> but uh so I actually will come home and kind of socially it's really quiet until I reach out which mm-hmm. is another kind of tough thing sometimes because sometimes you don't feel like reaching out but you do feel like doing something especially when you've been like performing and everything yeah that's the whole you know most performers you meet will be uh, introverts and that's that's true for me people think oh you're such a people person uh, it, it's it's work, you know. Mm-hmm. It is, it's it's work, and being good with people is not the same as being energized by groups. And uh, so I'm energized more with one-on-one, definitely. But yeah, there's a whole routine. I get home, and my first order of business is to do nothing for at least three hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know you've got all this stuff you have to unpack. Mm-hmm. And you kind of want to just dump your suitcase out, and then the room's a mess. And so I kind of have to spend about a day and a half. To just get my whole life geared up and ready to uh, step forward with a full head of steam and, and start doing my my home routine. Mm-hmm. So, moral of the story from this: if you're Delia's friend and you're listening to this, <laughs> keep on inviting him. It's summertime. There we go. <laughs> he wants to be invited. I actually just bought a bunch of backpacking gear so I can just go out into the mountains. Oh, that's, that's funny. Do you have a passable pass? I don't. I need to get one. Though. You should get one. You can be my Seven Peaks, buddy. I forgot about those. So, anyways, <laughs> off of Seven Peaks. Um, so you also do some modeling on Instagram. You've had these like wedding photos, and <laughs> I loved your captions. You're like, you're like, I didn't get married, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my mom. The first time I posted. So some of those, a lot of them are um, unpaid, like a bridal shoot. Is I have a friend that's a designer. I know a couple other designers and they say, you know, do you want to be the groom for this bridal shoot? And they design the dress and then they bring in collaboration mm-hmm. with all these people. So those are fun. They're just a blast because you're working with so many talented people who are all donating their time to do this project. And then it gets published in a magazine or, or in a, mm-hmm. like a national bridal thing. And those are cool. Uh, but the first time I did that, my mom freaked out. <laughs> I had to remind her, I had to let her know that it was not real. They cast people that they feel like look good together. Darby and I look great together. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how did you start modeling? Was it sort of around the time that you were doing the music or just has it been? Speaking of being single. Oh, okay. Let's hear more about your single life. (laughs) I was on a date from Tinder. Oh, he is on Tinder, ladies. Um so I was on this date and this girl, I asked her how her day went and what she had done. And she said, well, I just came from this casting at a modeling agency and she stops and she goes, you should go. <laughs> and that's the last thing I ever wanted to do. And it, it, I felt like it was very much not my personality. And so we went back and forth and she wouldn't let it go. And finally she made me promise that I would go after the date. So after the date I went in and they were kind of closing up shop and, um, I, I walked in and I just said, I don't really know what, like, if I'm supposed to have anything or what, I'm just here. And 
the owner said, we could use you. So yeah, let's, let's do it. And you know, not because I'm the best looking guy in the world, but I happen to be a unique looking person for Utah. And you're a handsome guy. It helps. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, some people who are better looking. Is that how you describe so, yourself? You're of tint? Of tint. No, I just that <laughs> Oh, I like it. <laughs> just now. But uh, no, you know, being of, uh, having half of my genetics coming from Africa, uh, it, it makes for a unique look for Utah. So it's sought after. And so, yeah, we we started doing some work there with that agency and, and just getting, you know, little things. I did like a photo shoot for Boy Scout pamphlet. The cool thing, the cool thing I learned about modeling is, um, most modeling, especially commercial modeling, is not about being the best looking person. What people want when they hire a commercial model is they want someone who is really good at looking normal. Mm, so you're a normal looking guy. I'm, and then you were just talking about how you're doing some software developing. Yeah, uh, web development. That's just, you know, because... A web, sorry. Web development, yeah. It's... it's I, as one of the owners of the group that I perform with, um, my roles as far as tasks were the marketing, the booking, uh, that sort of side of it. And my partner did the finances and the music. And uh, so being over marketing, I had to create a website for the group. Our first ever website in 2012, I didn't have a clue what to do, but I, it was my job. And so I just kind of did some research online to find out how do you make a website? And I came up with something that was horrible. It was terrible. I mean, we had a picture that I didn't know how to fit it correctly. So it was kind of skewed. Mm -hmm. So we all looked really wide <laughs> and stretched out. And it was just, it was terrible, terrible looking website. And that lasted for about six months. And I, I couldn't bear looking at it. And so I kept on looking up more ways to make something look better. I found a different, like a template service where you can just kind of drag and drop your photos in there and there's a site. Uh, and I would, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I'd look at the site and I'd say, I want it to have this little part different. I want this button to be a different color. And there wasn't the ability to do that in this template site. Mm. It's just like, this is what you get. Yeah. And so I thought, well, there's gotta be a way. And I dug around for about a year and started learning how to dig into the actual code mm -hmm. of the site and find the little part that did this button and change it. And as I started learning those little things, I thought, well, if I could do the little pieces, then maybe I could do the whole thing eventually. And so I just decided to, to learn how to do it. And so I just got online, found some resources to, to learn the coding languages and started learning how to do it. And uh, after a while, friends started to approach me and say, you do websites, right? You want to do a website for me? And so I've done a couple of projects and, you know, I, the first time I said, okay, well, yeah, um, does this much sound like a good rate to pay me for it? Like, yeah, totally. And so, <laughs> wow, okay, I, I can do this. It just kind of happened. And so lately I've realized that's something that I could do more consistently on the side anywhere that I have internet access. So I've actually put myself into an online learning program and to get kind of more officially certified in some way and be able to start marketing myself as a web developer. That's sweet. And did, didn't you graduate as well in business? I did. Yeah. So that helps with. It does. It does. It, it's helped with kind of every step, but very indirectly, at least on the surface. You know, I have a degree in business administration, but I do music. Well, yeah. 
the business helps a lot yeah. with the music and with doing web stuff. It, it helps with all of it. So this show is all about believing in your impossible. And you already told us about your group getting on the road. I had no clue about that, um, packing up for eight months. But have you had another time in your life where you had an impossible goal and you went for it? Yeah. Um, I've had a few, but I think one for me was uh, was serving a mission for my church. And that was that's something that a lot of people have done, right? You know, Thousands upon thousands of people have done that. So it may not seem like such an impossible thing. That's the cool thing about impossibles, right? Impossibles are relative. And uh, something so simple as getting a driver's license can be a huge impossible for someone. And overcoming their obstacles to do that is is huge for them. And it's noteworthy and, and applause worthy. Uh, for me, serving mission was was that. And just getting myself prepared personally, spiritually, mentally to to do that i just i didn't think i was good enough i didn't think that i i should i didn't think that i was going to be happy doing it um and there was kind of this turning point where i was struck with this feeling of just don't worry about it it's all going to be okay and just just do your best and of course as anyone would say it was that time was so formative um for for my personal faith for my personal confidence it was huge in just developing the characteristics that have made me able to do what I do today. So yeah, that was, that was probably my biggest impossible up to that point in my life. And so what's your advice to someone that I loved what you said that impossible is relative and that's what the show is all about. That like really, literally someone's impossible can be getting out of bed. I've had times in my life where it's like, you're so depressed. You're like that, that's hard, you know, or like you said, getting a driver's license or graduating from college or, um, so what's your advice to someone who's going through that right now? They have this goal that's their own personal impossible. What, what's your little shout out to them? It's really good to, it's really good to have a whole vision. It's really good to be able to see and, and say, this is my end goal. It's impossible. It's it's my BHAG, right? My big, hairy, audacious goal. Wait, BHAG? BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. I've never heard of that before. Oh, well, not yet. I, yeah, I guess I'm not <laughs> cool like you. Oh, you're, you're cool now. You're <laughs> Sweet. I don't know if it's cool or nerdy, but it's, it's, it's from something. I can't remember what. Urban Dictionary? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a book I read or something that I, I'm sure someone listening to this podcast knows. No, okay, sweet. So BHAG. BHAG, yeah. So you've got your BHAG. You've got this huge thing that you want to do, and then you realize it's impossible. <clears throat> and that can be so daunting, and you can get paralyzed by the the scope of what it is you're looking at. You stare at a mountain, and you just stand there instead of climbing and so what you have to do is you have to look at the mountain, look at this big goal, and then make a plan, be methodical. It's easy to do when it's theoretical, when you're not actually doing it, right? So forget about doing it. Just make a plan. Okay, so we're making the plan. We're breaking it down. And then forget about the beehive. Forget about the goal and zoom in and look at the first step. That's it. Nothing else exists. You're just taking a step. Anyone can take a step. That's easy. If you have to wake up in the morning and say, today I have to climb this mountain, you're going to stay in bed all day. <laughs> I, I've done that before. As a matter of fact, I did it this week. I woke up and I had so much to do. I had this huge list for all these different things for the business. 
And I just said, wow, this is just so much. And before I knew it, two hours had gone by and I was still in bed just looking at my list. <laughs> but you have to forget about the whole list. You have to forget about the mountain. And you have to just say, all right, today, well, right now, I'm going to take a step. And then you take that step. And then you can open up your vision to the next step. And then you take that step. And just step by step by step by step by step. Slowly you'll gain the confidence to be able to zoom back out and look at the whole thing. But you have to start with just the step. Man, the way that you said that, that was like so eloquent. I love it. Um, but really like the whole like zooming in and then you can zoom, zoom out because it's so true. Those times that you're like, oh, this is never going to happen. But but really just those little steps. It's like I've had so many times in my life where I'm like, if I would have just started six months ago or something, then I would see progress. Yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> Funny little story. When I was a little kid, I went fishing with my grandpa. My grandpa would take me fishing with our two, uh, his two German shepherds. And they'd go crashing through the bushes and he'd whistle to, to call him back after a while. And I couldn't whistle with my fingers like that. And so I'd scream at the same pitch. One day I was probably, I must have been seven or so. And, uh, we were walking back. It was a long walk to, to the pond. And we were walking back from the pond after the day of fishing. And I was just kind of kicking rocks by my feet, and I was really distractible. And so I was looking at all these little rocks and the patterns of the gravel on the road and stuff as we walked, and I looked up, and I was alone. And all I could see was just this endless gravel road into the horizon, and I had no idea where anyone was. And so I just started yelling, screaming, my seven-year-old self, my prepubescent high voice that could sound like a whistle <laughs> for my grandpa. And after a few minutes, he comes bounding down this road and he was of course not happy because I, I guess he didn't realize that I was somehow, you know, just wandering off. Um, and in hindsight, I think about that and it's like that road seemed endless. It seemed so, 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 so long, but somehow I made it down. Like if I would have looked at the length of the road and said, I'm going to walk from here to there at seven years old, I would have been like, forget that. <laughs> you know, there's no way. Yeah. But because I was staring at the ground and at my feet and I was just taking a step at a time and just kind of kicking rocks around, I looked up and I was like, look how far away I am, you know? And that's the cool thing is you start, you start doing something, whether it's, you know, somebody's exercising. Uh, exercise is a great, great example of it. You start working out and instead of, instead of saying like, oh, I have like this much weight to gain or this much weight to lose or this much like, you know, to get in this much better shape, so hard well maybe you just focus on today's workout and then you just kind of enjoy it for what it is and then you look up three months from now six months from now and you realize how far along you've come and you're kind of surprised and it's kind of nice so yeah i i like to definitely kind of look at the next step and zoom in zoom in i like it you professionally get to beatbox for your career you get to travel around beatboxing you're doing modeling like what's your advice to someone that they want to be a singer they want to go and perform but people are like are you serious like you are never going to be able to do that well they don't stop saying that um they i still am told that all the time that's the that's probably the biggest thing is you have to be pretty um pretty impervious to know that's, that's, I think, the way I would say it is you have to be immune to know, like, whether you haven't started yet and you tell a friend that you want to be a professional singer, they're going to tell you no. What right do they have to tell you that? They're not the person hiring singers, but they're somehow going <laughs> to pretend like they have the authority to tell you you can't. Um, and then when you start, 
someone else is going to tell you you can't. And you audition. I just sent in, well, every, every month I send in our material to, to Disney World, Universal Studios, to movies. We, we auditioned for Pitch Perfect 3. Um, you know, all of these different things. America's Got Talent, Showtime at the Apollo. We're, we send things in and someone says no. And it's easy to take that as you're not good enough. And which is also side note, totally true in dating. <laughs> when, when something doesn't work out or someone says no, you're rejected. We always interpret that as you're not good enough. Job interviews. You don't get the job. You're not good enough. That's the interpretation. And that's just not true. Now, sometimes we do have to develop our skills. We have to be reasonable, reasonable enough to know that, but. A lot of the time, it's just not right timing, not the right fit, not compatible, whatever. And you have to be okay with hearing that. You have to be okay with someone saying no, anything artistic, anything artistic. I mean, you're doing this podcast, you know, somebody out there, I'm sure said no one's going to listen to it. It's and, true. And you know what? When you first started, pr nobody probably was listening to it, and, but you did it. Well, I just started this week. There you go. So, so right now, the three people listening yep. to this are, but that's, that's the thing is you're not doing it because of how many people you think are going to listen to it and say that you're awesome. Your motives aren't to be famous for podcasting, right? And that's the same thing for, oh boy, if you go into music, performing, or any sort of artistic profession because you want fame and popularity, you will probably fail. So check your motives. That's the first thing I would say, check your motives. If you're doing it because you're passionate and you feel that you have something you want to share with someone because you love people and you want them to experience what you experience when you, when you do this, then you're okay. Because then when people say no, you don't care. Because everyone in the world could say no and you still love what you're doing, so you're still going to do it. Man, there's like so much that I just want to put on a little graphic and put on <laughs> Pinterest that you just said. Check your motives, everything. You're you're I'm a man of wisdom. Really eager to hear more stories from all of the notable peeps that you <laughs> interviewed. Well, Adile, thank you so much for being here for all your words of wisdom. Like I, at the end of each episode, I always do a graphic with like someone's quote and this is going to be hard for me to pick what I want for your graphic so wise thanks guys for listening and remember to put on your shoes do your best and believe in the impossible all my dreams are coming all my dreams are humming all my dreams are coming true Thanks again for pushing play and listening to this episode. If you want more information about today's guest, head over to www.notablepeeps.com.